0: say you can buy a peace of mind. Well maybe you can. If this year has taught us nothing, it has taught us about being prepared. Our friends at Gradguard provide just that a peace of mind in these unprecedented times. With hurricane and tornado season around the corner, Gradguard protects students, families and schools when the unexpected happens. GradGuard works with colleges and universities by offering technology-enabled insurance solutions that create more visibility for our departments and of course, more peace of mind for our families. GradGuard's rental protection plans create modern day solutions for college students and families, all at no cost to the institutions. Learn more about GradGuard at gradguard.com backslash higher ed. Welcome to Season 4 of The Meeting After The Meeting, with your co-hosts, LaFerrin, Antonio, Iana. Abby,
1: Brian, Curtis, and David. Now, let's start the show. Hey, y'all. What up? Hello, hello. Hey, hey. It is uh, Thursday, and uh, as we're recording, but y'all know who I, I was about
2: to
1: say. What? Yeah, you, you know, it Brian. I Listen, know. I'm about
0: to. Right. He ain't hearing you already acting like.
1: It. What? It? <laughs> it must be. I'm a really excited, thing. but I am really excited. I am. I'm excited because when the folks hear this, I will probably have already cried all weekend. Child. To Adele. I, Adele is back. She is first back.
0: All, whoever, so, that last album, when it dropped, I said, sis, first of all, you in my business, and we have problems. I don't know you, but I feel like on site we're going to have a problem. But whoever heard her, they are owed money too. Because if not, she had you a huge moment. You know, she make her best music when she in uh, turmoil.
1: Because we thought she was going to give us a happy album. And then the divorce happened.
3: Who had and bought
1: it? I would have bought it. Exactly. You know, Crikey. I would have. I would have bought it. You know, but you know, when Adele first came out, I could not identify with anything that she was crying over. But I was in full tears. And then she right. said, "Hello." Oh, look, done, yes. completely done. done, over, done. over. I've I have done. not recovered since. You know, I've been listening. Uh, I've been from listening the other side
0: yeah, from. Uh, from- Listen, and here's the thing about that album, though, because it's kind of meta, right? Like, she's Mm -hmm. talking to herself. People be thinking she's talking to other people. She's talking to herself. I say hello from the other side? You got to encourage yourself now, (laughs) because that's a song too,
3: but you got to encourage yourself, all right? And so, and sometimes you have to do it from the other side. Listen. To know that you're going to get across, okay? Okay. So. I'm going to catch this vision, all right? (laughs)
1: We we wishing her well and happiness. I am, you know, truly wishing her happiness because it's taking her uh, what three years to release this album. She's been it's working been. on it. She's been working on it since she was thirty. You know, Adele names her album by her her age years. Uh, but it's it's thirty. And in the show notes, you know, now this technology give us. We want to hear if when you hear this, you will have the opportunity to have heard Adele. Tell us what you think about it. There's a question in the show notes. What you think about Adele's new single? Did you cry all weekend yet? Are you recovering? Let us know. I don't
0: have time for for bottles of wine with her this weekend. I really don't. My son has a really active social calendar.
3: I am loving all of the posts and the updates. And you are out here educating the people. He definitely has a better social calendar than me. And I think I might feel a little certain kind of way about that. That he out here being a Phoenix rising out in these streets and play dates bunking bunking patches and you know are y'all. He doing his whole life.
0: He, he has been Listen invited to boo zoo. he's been invited to boo at the zoo. Okay. Boo
3: at the zoo. Boo Come at on.
0: the zoo. We Is have well, so the group we're going with, they're like, we're doing punny Halloween shirts instead of costumes. So tomorrow, I'm going to be going around Highport and Greensboro trying to figure out a shirt. I found one, but it ain't going to be here on time. You know, I'm a big fan of Dr. Seuss, The Things, and it has, you know, it's like Thing 1 and Thing 2. Well, there's a mom shirt that says Mother of All Things, and then him with a little Thing 1 shirt. That's cute, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, I'm going to be with him instead of crying with deal, because sis yeah. takes you I think my biggest thing right now with Adele and it's just people critics, right? There's a lot of shaming of her because she's uh-huh. like yeah I, I, you can't be a size 2 and you can't be a size 22. So so what so what do what do you do? And people are out here.
3: the same. And thing is like- her her stuff. This takes me back to Big Luther and Little Luther. You know, wow. like that we we going in there and then folks can't, you know, they the same person, but because they had a few extra roles or something, and that made it different. Like, why? They the same person. Like, why yeah. are we why are we basing it basing their talent and their skill and their journey of what they their gift of what they have to share because they they are in working on self improvement. They trying to be here for the long term.
1: That part. Or if weight happens to move in the other direction, right? Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you know, loving people where they're at in whatever moment they're in, right? And so, right. you know,
3: cause love me, cause it's 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 moving in a direction I want to move. That sometimes I have no control
0: over.
3: Yeah. Love me anyway, okay, honey? Cause
1: this cause this
0: age carries weight a different way than it did a few few years ago.
1: Okay, look, metabolism, metabolism slowing down. Human, you said what? Metabolism slowing down, small humans.
0: Look, <laughs> bit, little bit. You know, I'm taking my goalie vitamins. I have
3: a I have a toddler to keep up with. Who, mm-hmm. I got the Aldi version. You know I'm an Aldi girl. Aldi,
1: <coughs> they got their own version. She got the Aldi place. everything. Aldi <laughs> everything. Every Listen, put, Aldi and TJ's. Put me, she put me on the Aldi wine. Okay. And I haven't tried the Aldi wine
3: yet. Aldi and TJ's. I know you don't have
1: LaFerrin don't have the wine. I do have four bottles of wine ready for the weekend. Not that I I'm mean, going to have the wine. Not I'm just, that they, I'm going they, to I'm drink not trying all of them. i to them open. But if I send y'all a message and just tell y'all that I can't leave the house, know that I am okay. I am-
0: <laughs> I'm like, you know what we do for a living, right?
1: Okay. Just just know that I am okay, trigger. but I am having a moment with Adele. Okay. I will recover. I'll come out sometime. Well, look
0: online. This is what you need to do. Look online and you're going to see all the pictures of the Blue at the Zoo and then it should bring up your spirit. Yes.
3: I'm excited. Yes. I can't wait. Yes. Yes. Good.
0: And what Keanu's talking about, I am there this month is um, Down Syndrome Awareness Month. As I have shared before, my son um, does have Down Syndrome, but Down Syndrome does not have him. But we want to educate the people. So if you check it out, I've been sharing a fact a day about Down Syndrome. And then you also get to see a lovely picture of the Phoenix. Yes.
3: Come on. It phoenix.
1: is awesome. I, I look forward to reading your post in the morning when I get up. So yeah, thanks, for it's me. been helpful. It's been helpful. Well, y'all, we have a special guest here with us today. Yes, come on, come on, come on. Dr. (laughs) Jen is here. So we are continuing our conversation on being well. This is a multi-part conversation this season here in season four. Really, the pandemic has been something else for all of us. And we've been experiencing a lot. Life has been happening on top of the pandemic, talking about mind, body, spirit, soul, finance, weight, all of that. We're going to cover all of those things in our series. But today, we really wanted to touch on a topic, talking about navigating trauma and loss uh, with the folks. So, Dr. Meriwether, you want to kick us off and introduce our guests? I definitely will. I
0: love our guests. She brings me so much joy. She makes my heart smile when I get to look across the Zoom world and see her face. It's fantastic. Um, But we have asked Dr. Jim Whitney to join us today um, just to help us have a really informed conversation, but just a conversation with our audience and with us about navigating trauma and loss now, especially during this time, right? We have, I don't even know what month this is. We keep saying 18 months because I think that's what we can grasp onto, but it's been longer than that. Um, And we also are trying to really understand, one, realize that trauma has occurred, what has been lost, and then how do we begin the process um, to move forward? Um, Dr. Jen is a mental health professional and director of the Counseling Center at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. Go Spartans! And you all should know that we have asked um, Dr. Jen here as an expert in her field, and nothing she's conveying should be taken as personal individual medical diagnosis, because we know how y'all are, let me hit the Google and all of a sudden I'm done because I have a hangnail, please don't do that. Um, as we encourage often on this show is if you believe you might be experiencing any of the things we are talking about today that you seek assistance with a counselor or a therapist, you know, we believe in therapy around here. Um, more information is available in the show notes on how you can connect or contact someone who can assist you. Um, and of course, with that, oh damn
2: it. Thank you so much, LaFerrin. That was such a lovely introduction. It made me smile physically and certainly my heart as well. And I feel very similar to you. I, My heart smiles when I see you across the Zoom and hopefully someday across the room again. So thank you. I'm really honored to join all of you today to talk about what's going on with COVID and how it has impacted us, specifically looking at the the trauma, the grief, the loss that we've all experienced. So yeah, I'm excited. Thanks.
3: Thank you. Um, I'm excited to get into this conversation. I've had an opportunity to really spend some time um, at different points in my career working with staff around trauma and loss, especially... I haven't experienced my own set of trauma and and loss and the continuation of uh, of that. Like I did a presentation a few years ago called weathering the storm and what that looks like because often what I have discovered is that we have folks that are in leadership that may not have had personal trauma and may not have had or suffered any kind of loss. And so when they're supervising folks, they don't always know how to offer that care and support, and understand how to dispatch the appropriate resources and you know, helping them navigate that that is not a, just a five day bereavement and mm-hmm. then they snap back and <laughs> right, they're ready, they're ready to plug in and be ready to go uh, with some of that. So, I wanted to navigate that, especially early on, understanding what that looked like so i'm really glad that we're t- kind of talking about that and and talking having this conversation about trauma and loss and we know that there's a number of types of trauma and loss that someone could be going through but could you share with us you know maybe a general definition of trauma
2: yeah i love that that's just a great place to start right so that we're kind of all on the same playing field right so often absolutely Folks use words like trauma, depression, anxiety, and and we're not quite sure what we're talking about because we just use them so freely. So psychological trauma is really an emotional response to a deeply distressing event, right? Or in the case of chronic trauma, that would look like repeated or prolonged events. Um, So for the chronic trauma, it could look like interpersonal violence or abuse that's ongoing. For an acute trauma response, that might look like Response to a car accident or a single event. Um, Certainly, what you all are bringing to the table and, and lifting up here is the trauma of our global pandemic. And so, a traumatic experience really causes an overwhelming amount of stress, and that exceeds your ability to cope or integrate those emotions and kind of make sense of what is happening. And so when you're kind of lost in that inability to integrate those emotions, you can feel really exhausted and confused or numb or agitated. It can look like a lot of different things. But one of the things that you said in the, in the introduction here that I loved was just when you haven't experienced it yourself, or even sometimes when folks have, when they are looking at someone else they can confuse what that looks like and think of it as a moral failing or laziness or attitude. And so I think, again, it's just so important to be able to step back and say, is there another way to look at this that isn't shaming, blaming, but is supportive and caring?
0: Definitely. I think that makes me think of like your body, not being able to catch up. Mm. Like, as soon as something happens, something else happens, or it feels like something else is happening, flight or fight, but I don't know, my body doesn't know what to do, what to do at the time, right, like, I can't run, but I can't fight, like, what, what do I do, I feel like it's just being caught, um, and then when, and you're caught, and you're helping other people in a caught place, I think that is what has been interesting for us, and particularly in the work that we're doing, so we're caught, and we're trying to help people who are also in that
2: place, right, and I think, You know, we're called to exactly support and care for others, but we are all experiencing the same thing, right? I think in the beginning, we talked about we're all in this storm together. Of course, we're not all in the same boat, but we all are experiencing this same storm. And we can't just pretend like, oh, now I have my professional hat on, and therefore the pandemic. Oh, and by the way, life, because life is not easy just isn't affecting me. So I'm just going to be able to help this person who's experiencing life in the pandemic. And it doesn't work that way.
0: Definitely. And, and thinking about that, like in terms of a sense of dealing with COVID and do, have we seen, or is there, is there more increases in people dealing with like mental health concerns, like environmental, cha- like home environment challenges because of COVID being the, being now the thing that yeah. has, influence or impact?
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, So yeah, COVID has had a significant psychological toll, right? And I think, like you said before, I was counting up the months before the podcast and I was like, 18 is what sticks out to me. I think actually this is month 19. And because it's been going on so long and because we're trying to return, quote unquote, to normal and just get back to business as usual, a lot of us are being asked to pretend like it's over um, and just carry on with our work and our days and go back to the office and just do everything and all the things and just pretend, right? And because we've been at it for so long, and we've gotten better used to wearing masks, or now we have vaccines, you know, all of these things, it's like, oh, okay, so we should just get on with it and deal with it and, and be used to it. And this should just be our new normal. In the beginning, I think folks were a lot more um compassionate and reaching out and thinking about and lifting up mental health. And now it's kind of, yeah, 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 all that stuff, let's get back to it. So no, <laughs> we're not back to it, right? I think last year has come careening into this year, and we are all still experiencing scrambled eggs for brains, um, and that shows up at work, like difficulty concentrating, not remembering tasks, not following through, not getting back to people, missing emails, right for those of us who are still living or learning online and at home, there's no containment of anything, everything is spilling into everything else, and as you know you were speaking about earlier, being a mom and Um, a wife and a friend and a director of the counseling center, when all of those things are in the same space, I am overwhelmed with thoughts and to-dos and tasks and feelings and everyone needs and wants something from me. (laughs) And I can't just close a door and say, okay, right now I'm just going to respond to some emails, right? So the lack of containment of our worlds has been really, really difficult for folks.
1: I like how you use that language that we've been asked to act like it's over. And I'm also am wondering, are we trying to tell ourselves that too, right? Because we yearn for something and and then what is the impact of that on on our own well-being when I'm trying to tell myself I might need to move, I need to, we, we may be in this for, for some unforeseen time. I have been trying to tell myself, we may be here for a while. What is your next coping strategy if this is prolonged? But I really love this. Let's pause and also own. We are not moving through yet. You know, yeah. I think I think that is so important for people to hear. And as a reminder, and I think about the leaders who might be trying to tell themselves to move through and what impact that might have on their teams who are not ready to move through as well. So All just right. some, Yeah
2: you've got this disjoint, right? And you've got all these folks that are traveling or trying to travel or needing to travel in different ways. And it's causing a lot of psychological accidents in the workplace, right? I can think of as a supervisor or a leader, right? I, I need, my leadership is asking me to ensure that my folks keep on keeping on. And, and, and so that's my, my directive. And, and what does that mean? But how do I care for them Um, and offer the space that we all need to be human in this pandemic um, and to have our own emotions and needs and fatigues and do our jobs, whatever that might be. It's a lot to ask of anyone.
0: I think, Anton, you you brought something, too, that it sticks out to my mind. And I think about, like, working in housing feels like we have not stopped. And so we talk about being tired Someone's like, how are you feeling? And I'm the honest answer is exhausted. Like that is the mm-hmm. word. And then I feel like there's another word, past exhaustion, but I haven't figured that out, that one, that one out yet. But it's this idea still, like in the functions of your work, if you were still very like you were really in the trenches when all to keep to keep your organization moving. And then now you're on this end. And because it's not over, but you're on this side of. Uh, the urgent, urgent, and you're still trying to, one, find a space to rest, but people are still asking you for more, and you have less now. You have less capacity. You have less staff. You have less patience. You have less grace. You have less sympathy. You have less.
2: I mean, yeah, you, have- you have less resources, yeah.
0: right? Yep. All the things um, that would otherwise help you navigate through this, I'm looking for the hope, because <laughs> some have less than that, too.
1: I don't know what the hope is, and I'm I'm with you there, but there is a term past it, and we don't use it because we haven't, we've only used burnout in a certain context before exhausted, but this is the space after it is burned out, and it's happening in higher ed. You know, the folks that I'm coaching every day are burned out, and particularly in, in the corporate space and industry, what's happening, that same thing is happening in higher ed, because... Let's also note in the last week, we have seen at least six prominent individuals uh, announce they're stepping away from higher ed in some kind of capacity, but there is, there is a burnout that's happening because we're asking, we're asking the people who are already contributing a lot to contribute more now because we're short of staff, and they have n- literally running on fumes. They have mm-hmm. nothing else to give. There's no one else to call. There's no one else to pitch hit in. There's no one else to pull up from the reserves, right? All of your reserves are on the active list now, right? Yep. Everybody is out on the field. And so we are literally functioning in burnout. And I think there's the loss too of, I've been asked to do more. And you know what? I can't always say no because I need my coins. Yeah. I I have commitments for myself and my family and the people I love. And what do you do at that point when... You're caught between a rock and a hard place and you have nothing else to give.
2: And I think it's a real failure of our capitalist system, right? I know that's not what today's show is about necessarily but that's really what it gets down to. And I think that, you know, there was, you know, LaFerrin you spoke earlier about like, where's the hope? There was the hope. I think that we would potentially engage in some systemic restructuring um, and that we would maybe look at our systems and make changes and that's just not what's happening. Instead, we are attempting to go back to normal when things are anything but and capitalism says you must give more with
1: less. Jane closed the, the door, y'all. You she, closed the door. she closed the door. She did. She did. She did. We, 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 we talk about capitalism now. Okay, let's go in. We go.
0: <laughs> she did. She closed the door on us. And that maintaining that capitalistic, that ideology, that's where we get the great resignation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm moving on and that I will leave a job without another one and it's going to be okay. And I'm going to figure it out. I'd rather have what I found in that pandemic space than this. And that is the thing, right? So it's hard. You have positions that we can't fill, like, even if you were approved to fill them, people are like, I'm not going to do this work. not Not in the same way that we have done it in the past. We talked during the pandemic about being revolutionary and pushing the envelope because we couldn't do things the same way we had done them. And then again, we reverted back. And folks are like, no, 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 no. Cause I've seen a new way. Mm-hmm. You to see the new way, because if you don't, then I won't be part of this way. So figure it out. And that's why we're seeing, so, I mean, we talked about it before that we knew that there was going to be a great resignation. We called it before they start writing about it give us our coin. But that's what's happening. And people are like, I'm good. I'll figure it out. But I'm not about to work for pennies. And you want me to operate at a level that at this point is one unnecessary, Mm. and still get the work done in a different way.
3: Mm -hmm. See what you're saying was going to be part of my next question, that vicarious trauma, like it's Mm. been the culmination. And we knew that and a lot what we we're seeing is that there were a lot of people that had already been dealing with some level of trauma all the time,
2: mm-hmm. and,
3: you know, all this time rather. And so and how it impacting now this complex trauma. And my question was going to talk about that because I think people are hearing more about that more and more and trying to understand the difference between the vicarious and the complex and You know seeing how those might manifest but I think you know looking at the problems with the system that is your perfect example of the vicarious trauma and and it impacting the pandemic but I would love for you to open that up a little bit
2: yeah I think that um you did a great job of of kind of highlighting the different the different kinds of trauma when we think about um trauma from a professional standpoint we think about acute trauma, which I talked about earlier, which is kind of that single event, maybe that car accident. You've got the chronic trauma, right? So somebody who's maybe in a domestic violence situation, it's an ongoing trauma. And I loved LaFerrin, what you said before, there's not time for your body to recover or for you to catch up, right? Because the trauma is ongoing. And then you've got the complex trauma, which is which is many varied traumas coming at you over a prolonged period of time. So it's a step up right from that from that chronic trauma and again as lafaren highlighted before there is no time for your emotions for you physically for you mentally for you to catch up before the next thing slams you down and then the vicarious trauma right gets layered on all of that when you are being a witness to and that can be in many different ways right you can witness somebody else's trauma and certainly within higher ed we are holding trauma for our supervisees, for our students, for our coworkers, right? Lots of folks who get into higher ed do it because they are caring, compassionate people who are relational and pay attention to and want to connect with folks. And that opens you up to experiencing and hearing about others' trauma. And that leads to to the vicarious trauma. And I think that's where you see, you talked about the, the great resignation, you talked about, you know, folks that are just like, I can't, I just won't. And I'm, t- I mean, I, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir here, but the students have come back worse in a, from mental health than when they, they left us. And I say left us, right, just to, to go remote before when the pandemic happened. Um, and it is because there has been no time to catch up. And one trauma layers on top of another trauma layers on top of another trauma. And we haven't stopped.
0: I think that also makes me think about with COVID and then you have really, you're talking about Black Lives Matter that also, this is a continuous fight for us because that is an identity that we hold in this space. But when you are seeing it happen on television at the same time on CNN, where you see them keeping track of COVID deaths
2: Mm at
0: the same time. That
2: intersection. Right. And 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 it's so important to talk about the racial trauma, right, which, of course, significantly affects mental health and well-being. And so, you know, the epidemic, the pandemic of, of racial trauma and racial violence has certainly been going on longer than 19 months. Right. We're talking 400 plus years here in the United States, but it is it did occur during the pandemic in this heightened and exacerbated way. Right. There were many deaths that were caught, many murders that were caught via video and then showed on the national screen and stage. Um, And so the, the intensification of the racial trauma, particularly for brown and black folks, while also experiencing the trauma of COVID and oh, yeah, let's not forget life and how just hard life is and how hard it is to be an adult all of those things intersecting and converging together are, going back to that very definition of trauma, overwhelming us and too much to integrate, too much to hold, too much to make sense of. And so where are you left? And I think hopelessness is a big component of trauma. And you spoke about that earlier, LaFerrin. And I think one of the things I would counter that hopelessness with is this idea of post-traumatic growth post-traumatic growth happens whether you want it to or not. (laughs) And that is some hope to me. There's a lot of research out there that says, you know, whether you want to or not, you will grow from trauma. um, And that folks who have experienced trauma actually have improvement in relationships. They have a greater appreciation for life They have a greater appreciation for their own strengths and their ability to cope with crisis. And that eventually, oftentimes, the hope is that we make meaning out of our trauma, right? And that's where the hope comes from. But I think we are languishing in that right now because part of the hope and the sense and the meaning that we were making out of of Black Lives Matter, out of COVID was we're gonna burn it all down and start over. And then we come careening into this year and, oh no, back, back to business. And that, that feels really hard. Languishing is, the, is a word that we use in psychology. Yeah. I don't know that it accurately really captures it, but it's an, it's an ongoing verb to, to, to say what it is that we're experiencing.
1: I get another appreciation for it because I don't think there's learning that's happening, you know, from all of the things that we're doing. In and I'm wondering for a lot of us, we're we're just reverting back. Is it that we want to go back to the way things were, or are we consciously choosing just to go back? And is trauma just not allowing us to think through to the next solution? You know, are we are do we literally have the capacity because of what we have experience that it's just not allowing us to mentally process how to move beyond this moment are we are we frozen you know just those are, are questions that I'm processing that I, I don't have an answer to but just is is what we're experiencing has ha- have we gotten into a a, a a frozen space where we're we're just not able to move forward
0: and it's funny that you say that antonio because i think and I said there's hopelessness but I also think there was something found in the last 18 months, and that was stillness. Bobby talked about it before when we've had, and at the time when she, I was kind of like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But in terms of people spent more time with their families and people who they cared about in the last 18 months. And I think they've probably done in the last 18 years. And I know that for some people that was also not a good situation, particularly if leaving your home was a safe place for you because of trauma and that was going on in your home. But it, it forced us to slow down. It forced us to see each other. It forced us to think of a different way. It made us healthier. I can't go anywhere, but I can walk outside. I at least can, can can move, right? So I think there were things found and to the point of this trying to go back to what was before, I think it's taking some of that, it's trying to take some of that away. The things, the lessons that we have learned, right? And trying to go back. Um, and at the same time, I think the response is, I don't have to go back. I can leave this situation and try something new. I can go to a place that understands there are new needs now there are new wants um when it comes to what satisfies me not even satisfies, but what what i'm willing to give for this right whatever this happens to be
1: yeah totally agree and and for those of us who had the privilege of coming home right and working from home we know that from the research that most uh, Americans, right? We spent more time on our jobs than we spent at home, and probably for one of the first times in the working history, right, that role had been reversed. Most people are spending time now with family, and so I think we got to highlight that too. That societally, there was a structural shift that we had never experienced before, and that that causes us too to think about life in a very different. You know a different way you know of course I would love to be home now I got the opportunity and people's like you you gave me something that I've been wanting and you think now I'm going to let that go heck no no I'm not going to let that go uh and so I think we get that ar- the argument of yes sometimes I want to go back to the office but I prefer to be home with my my loved ones my babies my partner my pets whatever myself you know whatever that looks like um and 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 a lot of us, especially millennials, and I know that's a lot of our listeners. No, we're not. We're not giving it up. We'll take a we'll take a less paycheck, uh, less less in paid to to be happy. And we we've, we've uh, hit that several times. But I do want to move us to the that concept, uh, Doctor Jen, of, of of grief and loss, mm-hmm. and and talk a little bit about grief and how that might show up. And and I know there are stages of grief, but we may have some some listeners who are not as familiar with grief and and loss. And can you share a little bit there about that with us?
2: Yeah, thanks, I'd love to. So when we think about grief, right, that's really deep sorrow and sadness, and it is connected and associated with that loss. So a lot of times folks think about that loss as a death of a beloved one, but it certainly doesn't need to be, right? It could be uh, the loss of connection. Um, it could be regret. Um, it could be you know, losing um, your space at work. It could be losing your routines and your commute. It could be losing you know, your in-person meetings, right? There were so many losses um, uh, during COVID just the freedom of movement, right? Or the freedom to, to be spontaneous was lost. I know every decision I make is now contextualized in COVID and who's going to be there and how many people are going to be there and who's vaccinated and who's not and who's safe and what are my kids doing? And right, so like all that decision-making, which again, gets us back to that exhaustion. Um, and when you speak about the five stages of grief, I really like them because I think it highlights how grief shows up. And so those five stages are denial and isolation, right? So oftentimes when we are grieving or experiencing loss, we might go into a space of like, nope, this isn't a big deal. I can do this, whatever. Maybe you then also isolate and pull away so that you don't have to really be uh, faced with whatever it is that you are losing. Another stage of grief is anger, right? Um, There was lots of anger and there has been lots of anger throughout COVID. Um, And then bargaining, right? Well, like, maybe if I do this and do that, then I can get this back. And how about that? And sometimes that bargaining looks like bargaining with a higher power. You know, if I just do this or show up this way, you won't take this thing from me. Um, Certainly the depression is a part of, of the grief. And then hopefully where we get to is acceptance of really saying it is what it is. And how do I, how do I move with it? You know, we don't just let go of grief. It's not a light switch. We don't turn it off. Um, for folks who have lost, um, you know, loved ones, right? Like that loss never goes away. It doesn't end. Those those people are gone forever and that impact on us is there forever. Um, but you can, again, kind of like the post-traumatic growth I spoke about before, make meaning of it and accept it um, and kind of redefine how it is that you see that loss and what it means for you.
1: So one of you mentioned, you know, Jane, you said the students have come back maybe worse. And I think whether student or professional, you know, so much has happened on the other side of these screens that we just don't know, you know, when, when someone logs off at the end of the day, we don't know what they might be experiencing. And so uh, it kind of brings me to that thought of when we talk about not Managing well or not dealing with the trauma and the grief, what might be some 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 consequences of how that impacts us daily when 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 we leave that grief or we leave that trauma untreated?
2: Yeah, so I think it I, I really like when I'm talking about mental health to to liken it or bring bring an analogy of of physical health because folks just more readily and easily accept um, you know physical health problems and addressing and paying attention and talking about those. And so if you think about untreated mental health concerns or untreated trauma, very similar to an untreated wound, right? It is possible that with time, that wound will heal. Now, it probably won't heal as well as if you had some antibiotics or some, you know, treatment or cream to go with it, but it'll heal. However, the other possibility, which is very likely, is that an untreated wound will get worse, right? It will become infected. It will get larger, will become more pervasive. It will cause long-term consequences, right? Oftentimes, if we have an untreated physical problem, we attempt to compensate for it, which actually causes a different problem, right? Our, Our foot is hurting, so we walk a certain way, and then all of a sudden our hip is hurting. Um, and and that is what happens exactly in the same way to untreated trauma or untreated mental health concerns, and so it will show up in every facet of your life, whether that is your relationships with your coworkers or with your children or with your spouses and your partners and your friends. It will show up in your ability to care for yourself, to have compassion for yourself and your compassion for other people. Every piece of your life that you touch will be impacted, right? I think there is this false sense or this desire to believe that we can contain or compartmentalize mental health. We just put it on a shelf. We will deal with it later. You know, We get off work and then we'll, we'll be emotional. We'll listen to Adele and then we'll cry, right? But the reality is it, we're walking around with it all the time, right? We, we don't leave our wounds at home. Um, we don't leave our broken bones at home. And that's the same thing with with our trauma and our our loss and our grief. It, it we carry it all the time.
3: And I don't know where the idea when we think about folks working in higher ed and and student affairs and other service leader esque uh, roles and in industries that we support that we're supposed to. That you know I, I think I, I think about all the things about you know, the customer is always right. And we, you know, guest services mindset of like caring. And so then we put ourselves last where we need to flip that, that if we are focused on being the best service leader possible, that it's important that us as the vessel of that that ambassador, that we are presenting the best, and what that means is we need to do maintenance and tune-ups, and you know we we need to take things down and and put up. We are out to lunch. We are closed for the holiday on vacation so that we can do those tune-ups and do all of the things that we need to do to be our best selves. But we don't, I I don't know where we get that in our mindset that there's no time to be able to do that.
2: So helpers, right, which are all the folks that you're talking about, helpers often struggle with boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. That ability to say, I'm out to lunch, I'm on vacation, I can't, I won't, and no. Right. But boundaries are by far my first thing that I talk about around caring for yourself. Right. And folks will often say, oh, boundaries are so ugly and mean or, you know, saying no is awful or, you know, yes, the customer is always right. We do always have to be there to serve. We are, you know, HRL is 24 seven and we must be there all the time. It's just not realistic and the the oxygen mask on the plane, right? Like if you do want to care for the person traveling next to you, you cannot do that if you are passed out or worse yet dead. You have to put that oxygen mask on
1: first. Come on now, tell the people, okay? (laughs) Put your own mask on first. Mm -hmm. But that's that's where the burnout is
0: though too, Antonio. We're too busy trying to save other people in the process of not taking the time to do the work on ourselves.
1: Well, and that's, that was going to be my next question to you all, right? For the person who knows they need to do some self-care. And I don't want to use, I think we overuse self-care. Yes. Thank Maybe you. That,
2: Thank okay. you. Okay, we, uh,
1: we overuse self-care and, and we use it wrong. And we've already rehashed that. We talked yeah. about preparing you. You told us that a long time. But I think the, the person who needs to do some, let me introduce some self-maintenance, some mm. self-maintenance. And they recognize that they need to do it, but they don't know how to begin or they are afraid to get on that road. What do we say to those individuals about how we begin self-maintenance? And I think that the term is broad enough that it could encompass a lot of things in your own well-being. You
0: know, I'm not probably the most sensitive person when I say things, (laughs) but I think it puts them into perspective. Your job will be posted before your obituary will. Mm. And you and people are like, people are like they hear that and be like, ooh, child, you right. But I need you to understand that, though. These folks will move on quicker than it, there is time to actually grieve you not being there anymore for your family to have even time to share with the rest of your family, Some, especially depending on the position you have it's going to be posted. And I don't say that to be insensitive. I say that to put things into perspective about valuing us over these companies and organizations that we work for. Your loyalty belongs to you, not them.
2: Yeah. I love the analogy of, um, you know, thinking about all of your priorities and all the things you have to do as, you know, a a bowl full of balls, right? And some of those balls are tennis balls and some of those balls are glass balls. And yeah, we are trying to juggle them all, right? What happens if you drop a glass ball? It breaks. If you drop a tennis ball, it'll bounce back, right? You got to figure out what's the tennis ball and what's the glass ball and make sure those glass balls don't get dropped.
3: I think that is one of the big things that I feel often that are holding people back because I can say, okay, I'm going to take vacation. I'm going to take these days off. I'm going to take a week. I'm going to go somewhere where the sun is on my face or I'm snuggled up into a warm blanket because everybody don't want a warm climate. Sometimes they want to be in the mountains somewhere with a nice snuggie in a fireplace and, you know, turn off everything. And they have, book the spa and all the things and have the best charcuterie board and mm. delectable <laughs> cheeses and things because we love a good charcuterie board on the show. Yes. Okay. And so, yes. and then, you know, we'll travel back home and that they left, they needed the vacation because they were in the middle of chaos and the environment is not changing. And so they have taken a week to rest, recoup, rejuvenate and they come back fresh faced and pimple free Back into the chaos, and so folks will say, "I'm coming back to a gazillion emails. I'm coming back to twice as many questions and all of the things." And it's like, as soon as I get back in the door, I want to do go right back out and go back to my fireplace and my charcuterie. So, how do people prepare? You know, like I guess I guess that's my thing. Cause okay, I'm not talking for them. I'm talking for me. This is me. I am (laughs) right. But I will say first
2: bring the charcuterie <laughs> everywhere you go so that's solving problem one
0: okay <laughs> Bam. That do. Bam. Bam. so
3: but I because having this conversation with colleagues all the time of well I just rather you know press on through you know and then and wait when I know I might need this sooner but like wait because I know like the time the off point? makes it worse right the time off makes it worse and like how to get out of that mindset like how do we put those, I don't know, those mental strongholds, if you will, in place to know that it's going to be okay. Like, and that, you know, I can only take today into today and tomorrow is going to be tomorrow and to move forward. And I think that that is the best, that's the thing that's debilitating um, people right now, especially right now, right? In, In the moment of, of that. I sat through um, our state of the university um, meeting and that was a a, a real concern. A colleague had shared and asked the question of, I could, there was no time. uh, Yes, did I have the days and the hours to take, but (laughs) there was no capacity for me to take them. And then if I did take them, I was, it was going to feel like a waste because I am coming back and all of that is just going to resurge all the anxiety and stress is resurging back in me. And so like, how do we, how do we not feel that way? Knowing that the environment is not going to change, but I'm going to come back change?
2: Well, I think two things like really stick out one, both you and Antonio spoke about this, right? That it is, you can't binge and purge self-care right? You can't just go away for a week and do all the wonderful things and spend all this money and do all these spas and eat all the good cheeses and then come back and be like, I'm done. And now I'm just going to be a workhorse. Like that's just not how it works. It is the maintenance that y'all talked about, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is, what are you doing on a moment by moment, hour by hour basis that is the maintenance, right? (sighs) Are you breathing? Are you pausing? Are you connecting, right? Like,
3: Do that one more time. Because just in that moment, I just had a whole like- It was a moment. It was a moment. And so like, okay, listeners, let's just take a moment. So Dr. Janna just put us in, in, in a space.
2: Right, like where are your shoulders? How close are they to your ears, right? Like move them down and back. Open your heart up, right? Let it shine. Push those shoulders back just comfortably. And then just really feel yourself being supported, right? Maybe you're in a chair, maybe you're in a couch, maybe you're in that Snuggie, right? Like you are being held and you can let go. There is ground below you. You are connected. You are supported. And I think just stopping and pausing, which was one of the things LaFarrin said, we have gained, right? Like that's some of the post-traumatic growth wisdom that we have gained is that pausing is so powerful. I and so I think-
1: Give me a warm hug. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, this is what happens when you close the door. Okay, you get your healing. Okay. Get your work. Do your do your work. Okay. And
0: baby. Today was a day. That's
1: what okay. was like I felt I that know. in
0: my condo. Like, wait, not in your shadow. And I, Listen, I, I'm gonna I, have
1: to call Jen on the right. I'm be like,
0: okay, I just need a can we breathe? Just breathe with me. Just breathe. Let's just breathe
2: together.
1: I love this concept and I think for for leaders, we have we are afraid of telling ourselves that the organization can't operate without us, it can and it will. We have to know that and we have to tell our people that, that it will operate. And I think another thing is that we have to know that we cannot operate at the same capacity that we were operating before. I think in this notion of gain, this capitalistic society of we have to outdo ourselves last year. we what is coming off of the plate something has to come off of the plate i think we've said that before we can't keep asking to do more with less we we are out of we are out of less mm-hmm. less is less right and more is more and so i think we have to we ha- i love that you said no what are we saying no to organizationally individually what are we saying no to we just we don't have the capacity to to do those things that we were doing before and maybe in the future we can pick them up. Maybe. maybe. Or maybe this is maybe, or maybe we just need to accept that we are no longer the same. And I I am totally on board with that. We are let go of what we did beforehand. This is new and this is who we are moving forward. And so Dr. Jen, I mean, I wasn't expecting that own personal woo moment there, but I know <laughs> I needed it. It was real. Yeah. I don't
3: know about y'all, but it made me think about, we have been doing vacation planning wrong. There is, and when she said everything that she said, I I started thinking, I was like, I've been doing this wrong. Like We do all the time planning the time, the week Mm -hmm. or the few days, and we put in some of us do our itinerary. We're going to go to the spa. This is going to be the charcuterie building time. This is going to be the journal time. I'm going to meet with this person, blah, blah, blah. We have the whole week planned. Or if we are a true color and orange, we are just living on the edge and just being free and go where the wind takes us within those days. LaFerrin, that is you. Antonio, yes, that is you. we going with the flow, right? I, I'm in the middle. Like, I want to go with the flow, but I want to have a couple of things scheduled. And we don't think about the the preparedness. Like I need to make sure I block off when we're taking days off. You might need to and, and travel or whatever is involved. Blocking off time for the pre plan, right? And the preparedness, preparing the team, preparing all the things, making sure all that stuff is done and out the way. I'm preparing my days that I'm away, but then I'm also needing to block time for my ease back into it, you know, like we'll start a hard Monday morning and okay, you're fresh faced and ready to go 9 a.m. You're in your clock coming into the office, clocking in, ready to go. And you might do a nine to 11, but we should be blocking off 11 to 12 for a breather because you spent two hours probably funneling through emails and responses and all those things. And you don't, you wore out, you only two two or so hours in to the workday. But <laughs> mm-hmm. how often do we say, okay, let me block and take a pause and then lunch and then the one o'clock starts and then let me regroup. So that can be a gradual ease in or a blocking. I'm going to do an hour and then block 30 just to sit and rest and make sure I keep my energy. Like we are not, we need to think about how to protect the peace and easing it in and maybe doing that gradual day, to, day by day of that first week of return, right? And then, then put those other pieces in for the maintenance of where are those moments where I'm taking these breather blocks that there are non-negotiables throughout my day so I can ease back into it. Because often I see folks, you've gone for a week. And then you're coming back. And my boss is doing that right now because he then left us with the keys to the kingdom for this week, which he <laughs> needed it. And um that Monday morning is usually a care team and kicking off. And he is also in a different time zone, right? And he's like, I'm gonna be. I was talking to him last night. And he was like, I'm gonna be jet lagged. Somebody needs to go to <laughs> that 9 a.m. Cause I it ain't it's not gonna meet me. I'm not it, you know. I need some support. To ease back into that, because that's gonna be a rough morning for me as I've chosen to come back in the office and that be my first day, knowing that that's the first thing on the schedule and knowing that I will have traveled. And Jay, like, okay, plan, no problem. Like, we got you, you know? So we can take care of that and recognizing that that's what I need in that moment versus, okay, I'm ready to just start this sprint, (laughs) start this marathon back. Let me take a moment to stretch and prep. You know, and so I'm like, how often do we do that? Or think we don't
1: plan for reentry.
3: We were not taught that, you know, in in the playbook of being a professional.
1: I I think, too, I wanted to highlight what Dr. Jane talked about, too, with this daily piece to make rest a discipline. We don't Mm -hmm. know how to make rest a discipline. And that can look like for me, I'm disconnecting from the world from social media to preserve peace of mind. I'm not going to watch certain things. I remember when all of the racial killings were happening. I, I there are some that I have not seen and will not see because I'm protecting my own peace with that. I think even when we're thinking about vacation, we have not accepted that an acceptable vacation is also not doing a thing. Going to the going to the house and sitting down, if that is your if that is a place of peace for you. I'm gonna take my vacation day and do that your p t o you know, and I am totally okay. It's also saying yes i am I am free, but I am not available.
2: Mm.
1: It is saying that I'm not yes, I saw your text message, but I'm not going to respond to it until a couple of hours later. you know, and, and that is okay it is okay that i that I don't give you my every moment because you demand it, and I think that's something that we've got to do on the daily basis too, just as much as we do our vacations, we've got to make rest a discipline and accept that because, because we are not doing anything that we are being unproductive. That's that capitalistic piece, mm-hmm. right? Infringing on that, that we can, we can I don't even consider it to push back, I demand it too, right along with it, that, that this has to be a part of my productivity is rest. And and that recharge is vital to me giving you my best, whatever space I'm showing up in. So.
2: And you don't owe anybody your best. Hey.
0: Listen. No. You
2: know no. You can just rest, right? You Ooh. are a human being. You are not a human doing.
1: Ooh. Can we? Can we? I will. You don't owe anyone your best. I mean, that put that on a T-shirt. I will put, we're going to put that on a t-shirt. You, don't you are not
2: resting your- so that you can give somebody your best. Ooh. You do not owe them that.
1: Ooh. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then there's Ooh. that. Come on. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to let that sit in my spirit.
3: Because I, for you I, to give my best is a privilege, right?
0: Ah, or it's something that you that the- get to decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also get- means the things that deserve my best aren't getting it. Because I gave it to you.
3: And you don't appreciate it.
0: Mm.
2: Mm. (laughs) And what I will hear, what I hear in that is resentment, right? Mm. And I will tell you, resentment is your number one indicator that you should have said no.
1: Mm. Yep. Mm. I think we're gonna wrap there. That's a good. (laughs) I I think we yeah. Last, but we got to get this piece because we got to get people the tools, right? We got to give them the tools. Before we got to the yes, yes. give them the tools. So Dr. Jen, I mean, we done went around the ringer here. If anybody is experiencing trauma or loss, what are tools uh, or strategies they should be engaging in for themselves as we wrap this up?
2: Yeah, well, I think the greatest gift that we can, and my last name is Whitney. So just, you know, that's a little Whitney Houston the greatest gift we can give ourselves and others is really just accepting this as normal, right? Like not judging it or rejecting it, but simply saying it's okay to feel this way, whatever this way is, right? Because when you judge it, when you reject it, it just leads to more anxiety, more stress, more, um, more trauma, right? More internal oppression. And so really just saying, wherever I'm at, that's a totally okay place to be, right? So I think that's a really great place to start. And then I think those small tools of, or those small ways of engaging in self-care, and I'm right there with you. I'm not a fan of the self-care word, but people get it and latch onto it. It is the getting outside, right? It's the vitamin D. It's the moving your body, but not like... Exercise pressuring yourself about it. It's about being active and doing something that's enjoyable, communing with the trees, communing with nature, enjoying the breeze, right? Not making it guilt ridden or, or punishment. It's about really eating a variety of foods that fuel your body, but like not in a pressure way, right? It's not about, you know, are you gluten free? Are you eating? How healthy are you eating? Right. But it's do what you can and keep it simple and make it about what nourishes you. And I mean that physically, I mean that mentally, I mean that spiritually, I mean that emotionally, right? And it's the pausing, and it's the breathing, and it's the noticing. And then it's going back again and doing it over. The pausing, and the breathing, and the noticing. And then, of course, without a doubt, anytime you think you need help, you need help. Bottom line, you don't have to prove that you need to help. You don't need anybody to tell you that you need help. If you think you could use some assistance, find it. And of course, love it that you support therapy. I obviously love and support therapy and believe every single one of us has something to gain from therapy. And so finding a mental health professional, right? If what you are experiencing is impacting your ability to do what you want to do your ability to juggle those glass balls to hold those glass balls that you so value and don't want to drop get the help that you need
1: and that you deserve y'all I am full yes. I'm so I am full uh, let's give it up for Dr. Jean yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah, yes. Come on so enjoy this. It was kind of funny because I think in the beginning I, I said, like, I'm so excited to talk about this. Right. We're talking about trauma and grief and loss. And oh, but it, it was really a wonderful conversation. And, and I feel full as well. And y'all are so fun and wise and caring. And I just feel like I've 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 learned and gained so much. So thank you for letting me be a part of this time with y'all.
1: I had a blast. Look, and now that you're a friend of the podcast, y'all check out Dr. Jen. Look her up on the socials, support, you know, all of that good stuff. Uh, again, if you are looking for some support or assistance, check out the show notes for some ways of which you can reach out for assistance. All right. So y'all know what? It's time to close and we will see y'all win next time. Next time. Next time, all right. I'm- Bye. Bye, Bye, y'all.